Hey, wonderfuls. Welcome to episode 360 of the podcast with my wonderful guest, Keisha Zoller. I just want to quickly point out that while I was at SF Sketch Fest in San Francisco in January, so much was going on that apparently I went ahead and skipped uh, an entire 10 episodes and just jumped from saying something was like episode 355 to suddenly being at episode 366. So if you're wondering where all those hidden, secret, and invisible episodes went, they all were going on in the stories I tell myself in my mind during the insanity of Sketchfest. I'm back on track. Keisha was uh, a writer for Busy Tonight, Busy Phillips' wonderful uh, e-series that should have gotten a million a million seasons. And, uh, and Keisha is also a part of Astronomy Club, the rad sketch show you can see on Netflix. Maybe some of you have heard of Netflix. Uh, I am so excited to have had her on the show, and I encourage you to really enjoy this episode. Uh, I found her so inspiring and just awesome and hilarious. And uh, I will talk to you next time on the podcast when it will be episode 361. God, I'm good at this. I can't, no guarantees. No guarantees. I really, I'm excited about the possible adaptation. Uh, there's no, I do, I do zero. I'll intro you in my intro. So um, it's a very like unfussy beginning to a podcast. I love it's it. happening. We're on it. We're doing we're it. We're inside of it now. Oh, we're living. And I'm going to ask you to do some space work. I want you to pretend there are some walls. Give those a tap. Ooh. What if this did turn out to just be like a kind of lame theater exercise I podcast? I wouldn't be upset you about it. it. Like, there I appreciate is that. always part of me. I was like going through some of my old theater notes going, oh, man, I miss laying on the floor for like two hours and like feeling my feelings. Right. Like, it was nice to be like, oh, the green light is passing through me. Yeah. Like, all of that. So, yeah. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah. There's, I was, I was thinking about that too the other day because certainly, you know, obviously the show business of hashtag me too is a very specific, not to say that it's not like universally understood or that it doesn't represent things that happen across the board, but our business is so weird and theater, it's like theater, get, get, forget about television and movies. Theater, theater. is so intimate and like weirdly touchy feely with the people in your theater troupe, like everybody's giving yeah. everybody a back rub. And, like, then, and then you have weird teachers. I will say weird teachers. Some are gone where it's like, get naked. Just like get <laughs> naked. And you're just like, wait a minute. What's happening? Something has happened. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it should be. Definitely had one theater teacher when I was getting my MFA who was like, all you women should expect to be naked. And we're just like, What? <laughs> And I, uh, I'm aghast. I'm yeah. agape. I'm aghast. Uh, Good God. And it was hard because he was like a Broadway director. Oh, no, no, He was no. one of those like Broadway <sighs> directors. And Did I, he make, you didn't have to like, call him maestro or anything. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. I was like, I'm not participating in this. Yeah. And like part of me, this probably didn't help my growth as an actor, but I definitely turned, I was like, I'm never doing a sexy scene. <laughs> like it made me go, I'm going to do scenes that like are very aggressive. And if they're sexual, it's close on sexual. 
Oh man. It, but I I mean I completely get it. it I'm not the person who's going to lean towards someone else telling me that I need to explore my sexuality either in like a vocation. <laughs> Especially cuz it wasn't like hey young people. Right be prepared to be physically out there it was literally women be prepared to be naked <laughs> is he still around oh no he's long yeah. dead <laughs> he is long dead uh will not speak ill of the dead sort of uh-huh. and uh yeah he definitely was of a you could say of a different generation but still problematic it yeah, was problematic, still problematic. <laughs> it was problematic definitely then. problematic to be like oh paying gosh. money for a grad program and then get told ladies get naked <laughs> so oh, problematic God, it's nightmare. been theater is so weird that way because there's spaces where that work can happen and yes. it feels liberating yes. and free and beautiful and then there's spaces that happens and you're like this is wrong yeah well and that, i think that's the kind of the gist of what i was sort of feeling and thinking as we were talking about it is it's a it's a place where the lines are blurry like no other place I can think of. So blurry. And then and then that gets taken advantage of, right? Then that gets preyed upon because it's this like fertile ground for someone <laughs> to be like, hmm, maybe I'll tell women they have to get naked. Yeah. And I'm- I'll just say it's part of my technique. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I I it is unfortunate that people have such a strong desire to want to please and want to participate that that exists versus it being an act of choice that everyone in a room is making with consent yeah 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 was Uh, that your first kind of because obviously if you were studying theater all the way through up to that point um was that kind of the first time you felt like a boundary was being crossed potentially from a teacher yeah yeah everybody like there were always the weird like "Mm, this feels odd but not unsafe so it you know green light right but that was the first time i remember going this feels wrong right (laughs) but then like i in my mfa program i also had teachers who like literally like did something where i'm like you have helped me become a better actor. You have made me like be more vulnerable and I would take off my clothes if it was appropriate. Right. So it's, it is such a blurry line, specifically theater. Yeah. It's bananas. Yeah. And, and to, and just to, and by the way, I don't, this whole podcast doesn't need to be about this, but, um, but what you said too, about that sort of feeling of like, like if, if I'm going to do that kind of scene, do you feel like there was this kind of concurrence of the idea of sexuality, but also like the resentment and anger, kind of the aggression at being like kind of yeah. muscled, you know, the attempt to muscle, you know, like suddenly those things merge and it does become like, oh yeah, I'll fucking like, yeah, you're just like, oh, you want sex? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, she hulked out. Yeah. <laughs> she like turned green and it was very aggressive. <laughs> And I think my brain still does that. Like there are things where I'm just like, as for me as a woman, sometimes being told to act or behave a certain way, the rebellious part of my brain is like, absolutely not. Whatever the opposite is, is what I'm going to do. I know it's wrong, but it's me angry at these stereotypes. Yeah. We got a lot of anger. I 
Yeah. I'm Most the- women I know have a lot of anger. Oh, yeah. That you don't, you, you may not spend a lot of time, depending on where you are in your life, where you are emotionally, where you are in your career, all of those things. Maybe you don't spend a lot of time exploring for various reasons. But by and large, that was something that I really feel like I recognize, like, oh, you're pissed too. Like, God, we're angry. Well, I just even talking about this now, I'm thinking about all the times where it's like, you wish you could be livid in the moment (laughs) and not even like think about the witty retort, but just filled with rage. Yeah, it's like a color. It's not even like words at that point. It's just like, what thing could come out of me? What lasers could come out of me? And... I think about all the times, like so much of it is like, I, in those moments, I, I'm more of a freeze and appease where it's like, I freeze and I'm like, okay, safety versus choosing anger. <laughs> Cause I was like, anger not always lead leads to safety. Yeah. Um, Good for you. Because I think I've said many times that I fear my, a, a snap for me yeah. like I've I've been in situations where they it was not appropriate or safe for me to have a of an angry reaction to a stranger approaching me in some way or you know what I mean so yes. good for you. Just, was that something that was kind of indoctrinated like was that just something your your family told you no it was actually it I didn't even know I did it sometimes until I talked to a friend I have a friend her name is jen welch uh i will shout her out because i love her so much she's a dear friend and comedian and she talked about how like reducing the myth around like any sort of victimization towards women or other gender minorities people assume it's fight or flight when really there's also freeze and appease Mm -hmm. that if you look at behavior, you always like people always ask, but why did she do it? Didn't she know to run? No, because freeze and appease is also a valid technique. And I think it's about exploring that there's not one way to react to danger. It's multitudes. And I mean, it's the goats who pass out. Have you seen those goats? Yeah. yeah, It was like, that's freeze and appease. (laughs) That's like, Oh shit, I'm going to get eat. fall over freeze and yeah, appease. you're very right it's we've been given endless examples of other species who freeze up <laughs> but for some reason we're still like sure that it's fight <laughs> or flight like i don't know like what about with deer in the headlights we yes. use that expression all the time the deer's not like i'm gonna get you car <laughs> yeah the deer's like oh no yeah Time is slowing down for me and I'm still not moving anywhere. <laughs> and uh, so, I, well, I and especially with like, yeah, with like sexual, sexual stu- situations, like yes. people, all the stuff that came out about Harvey Weinstein and like, you know, women saying, I blamed myself because I just thought if I can get through this and get it behind me, Freeze then I can piece. do whatever I'm going to do. Freeze in a piece. It's, it helps people understand and i i like want people to hear it i and love like, freezing a piece because I'm it is this. it is something like when you're in the moment you don't have access to all your par- parts yeah like parts of your brain are just firing and if it freezes you can't do what you want like i anecdotally had a friend who thought someone was breaking in her house it turned out it was a roommate who said they were going away from oh the gosh. weekend but came back and they vomited, pissed, and shat themselves. Oh, my God. I bet. And it was just 
a thing they yeah. did and they it's were not like, like she decided or they decided <laughs> you know what might work what? <laughs> yeah, yeah she and she was just like didn't know my body could do that and i'm like that to be is like yeah yeah that's why when in stressful situations it's easy to think about oh yeah i'd be angry oh yeah i'd fight but the reality is it's probably something else that doesn't match your expectation absolutely absolutely where did you grow up by the way oh i grew up all over i was born in oakland um but i've lived uh just outside the bay area north carolina connecticut illinois and new york oh wow okay yeah what was the use of North Carolina? Mm-hmm. So you've done West Coast, Northeast, Southeast. No Northwest. No Northwest. <laughs> Just we haven't got, we got it. Listen, we got to get you up to Vancouver ASAP. I, I mean, I vacation, but <laughs> what was the, what was the reasoning for what was, what was going I, my on? My father worked for IBM, okay. so I've been moved yep. and my family just moved around because of that. And so I actually went to school at UC San Diego, so that's where I did my undergrad, but I moved to New York to get my MFA, so that's how I like got to New York. And North Carolina was a stop on the way of the yeah. IBM stuff? Yeah, it was uh, during like the tech booms, uh, and Raleigh Triangle Park, RTP, is where my family was residing, not in the park, but just outside in one <laughs> of the very nice suburbs, yeah. and that's where I did like the end of middle school and high school and then I moved to California for college okay so you got to be in high school in one place yeah I did I was very fortunate I it was a very small high school and I have very complex feelings about it because it was like there were 30 kids and I was the very small token black person and so it was a very like odd experience to be in that space and that like my best friends were in public school and I was in this private school and I was like this feels weird yeah so you're so were your best friends black um my best friend was not black okay just question yeah just wondering in case Uh, that was part of the experience like oh all my black friends are going to this school and then I'm in this school with a bunch of white kids no there were well what was hard is I was living in an area where it was like the book why do all the black kids sit together at the cafeteria so it was very like self-segregating and as I was somebody who in my life I've always kind of straddled groups because I was like my interests are like all over the place not not like one thing I was like I want everything but in very different ways (laughs) so it was like sometimes I was with the band kids. Sometimes I was with the theater kids. Sometimes I was with the nerds, the science kids. So it was literally my friend group was always driven by like by my interests. Interest. Yeah. And so my black friends that I did have were very small group. There were like five of us. Uh, and my friend group has always been eclectic. And so North Carolina was definitely like one of those interesting times in my life where like high school was hard too because I was sick. So I was the sick kid growing up, which is very interesting as an adult to like think about being the sick kid. So mm. I actually was homeschooled for a little bit because I physically couldn't go to school. What was going on if you don't mind me asking? <clears throat> I don't have a colon anymore. Okay. Anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, I had ulcerative colitis, have 
there's a debate online whether once you remove the colon is it gone Mm. i don't think so Mm. i still have problems Mm -hmm. but uh i had my colon removed when i was 17 but i was very sick from about 12 until about 16 god that's a that is your i mean that's a hugely formative time to be battling that on top of just being a teenager just being a kid yeah being a teenager oh my gosh was a challenge because i i was dealing with like this these radical changes with my body from being sick but also like weird and i say weird it's not weird racism like my singing year of no, what's that just kidding. Uh, let me explain janet oh, we gotta start from the very janet beginning. um <laughs> oh my god let's start with depression okay like okay. let's back it up sounds good okay oh god. uh janet thank you okay. for taking out the whiteboard <laughs> okay so here's the diagram that solves it oh I saw it was was a math problem after all. (laughs) Yep. It's just an equation. Yeah. It's super simple (laughs) equation. Solved (laughs) it. Please don't share. I have patented it. You bet. Like it's a patent. So you bet. Yeah. Yeah. So you had that. You had a litany of things that you were sort of staring right in the face. Well, that's what I was going to ask too, is like, if you, you know, there are fewer of us i think but i but certainly on the podcast i've had lots of people who are army brats or who were kind of like industry brats in some way um that did experience like oh my god it was so different in this city and then the way kids were socialized in this city was totally different and sometimes a place you think would be less racially segregated was more racially segregated in the place that you go like oh i'm in new york that's going to be fine turns out to be this whole other experience so you just never know i think yeah and i think that is what moving around kind of taught me i was very socially awkward and have still to this day, probably low levels of social anxiety, but like have learned to conquer them. I remember I used to have panic attacks when calling Domino's like for pizza. And I say Domino's because it was back when there weren't a lot of pizza. (laughs) Also, of course, you know that this is a sponsored by Domino's podcast. Yeah, Uh, two for two. Not at all true. (laughs) Yeah, so that, that, isn't that interesting? Because like you can't, did anyone try to make you articulate, because it's not helpful to have someone try to make you articulate, well, why? You're just calling for pizza. Why? It. It's like, luckily, it's not that simple. It really isn't. I was very fortunate. I had parents who at the time were very much like, okay, give me the phone. We have to eat. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't, I was fortunate. They didn't have too much shame, but they were like, this isn't normal. Yeah. But they also saw that I'm somebody where once I can have a sense of the lay of the land, I'm very social. I'm like, okay. What's going on? Okay, got it. Check, check, check. Hi, I'm yes. Keisha. That but makes a lot of sense. I'm very trepidatious. Like, even walking up, I was like, okay, I hope this is the right house, because if this isn't the right house, what am I going to do? What's my plan B? I'll do yeah. someone else's podcast in the yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> You'll be like, uh, you got a podcast? Maybe? Ooh, can I do it? Uh, and those are the things I always think about. But luckily... My family was always pretty great supporting me with like my depression, my anxiety. And a lot of it was connected to like being so sick from a young age for quite a while. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. 
Hey everyone, Alden Ford here with the cast of Mission to Zix. Our fourth season premieres on February 19th, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the show, we decided to ask one of our characters to give you a quick recap of what's happened so far. Say hello to the clone trooper, AJ. Who are you people? What's happening? Okay, AJ, put your gun down. Uh, AJ, can you just tell us what's happened in the Zix Quadrant in the last couple seasons? Oh, well, we destroy the Emperor. Oh, really? Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, I think I think so. We knocked him into a chasm. Mr. Robot Man and Barchi's ship crashed through a window, and Dar and Baby Horsehead and I took out, like, a bunch of bad guys. Papa filled his destiny, and the lizard was there, too. Okay, great. I guess I was sort of asking what the show is like. Oh, you mean, like, it's an improvised, serialized workplace space opera featuring brilliant sound design, incredible guest stars, and an epic, hilarious tale of Fresh vs. Whack? Oh, yeah, wow. Where did you come up with that? Jesse Thorne told me to write that on my palm. Okay, all right. Well, Mission to Zix Season 4 debuts on February 19th on Maximum Fun. Check it out. Do you have siblings? I do. Okay. Do you have an older, younger... I am the oldest. I have a brother who actually lives in the Bay Area, nice. and I have an eight-year-old little sister. Okay, so yeah. that probably not the same. Both parents for no, your eight-year-old. No, no, but... uh, and and she's adopted, and she knows she's adopted. So I'm not blowing up the internet <laughs> with that revelation. I actually love it because how my dad and my stepmom handled it was they're like, yeah, there's tummy mommy, and then there's us like yeah. i'm mommy mommy and tummy mommy and i was like great they're like we don't want the shame around her adoption to manifest because it's going to be hard regardless right so at least remove the shame of it yeah that makes sense i mean that is one of those things where like is there only one right answer on how to treat anything because also kids are so different from one another you never know you could probably have a plan you know beforehand like okay well listen we just adopted this baby we don't know the baby yet in terms of like maybe later on it's going to turn out to be that your plan to say like well we're just not going to say anything turns out that no actually this is this is the kind of kid that we we need to talk to we need to tell we know them now we know what this relationship looks like and what the dynamic is and it's fluid right those decisions i'm sure are just like so fluid and probably so hard to have other people go well here's my advice now uh, i understand she's adopted this is what let me go do? ahead yeah, yeah let, <laughs> let me tell you how to raise your child yeah i'm sure people love that yeah well and i'm i'm fortunate because my family is very I'm very close with my family still and I love them a whole, whole lot. And my dad is one of six, but shockingly, I don't have very many cousins on either side. Like mm. my mom's one of three, uh, only her and her sister surviving. My aunt only had one child. <laughs> so it's like, I, I have a lot of aunts and uncles. I don't have a lot of cousins. Yeah. And my family's very interesting because we are close, but we don't have a lot of kids. Like my dad, like is eagerly waiting to be a grandfather. Uh, and it's just interesting because it's like a family that is close, but we're all like, so this is shrinking, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is, there goes our last name. And then that's one of the reasons my father, I remember he told me he wanted to adopt my little sisters. He, he was like, we just, we don't have babies. <laughs> He's like, I was like, I think we have some good ideas that we can pass down and share. And I was like, Oh, you're right. Yeah. Final. Try <laughs> to start a family. <laughs> 
Thanks for thinking ahead, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Thank you. Dad. Thank you. Woo, you took some of the heat off yeah. of me. Well, I think that's, I mean, I love hearing that too about your closeness with your family because obviously your relationship to your parents is going to look different if you're, you know, dealing with an illness, um, one that can keep you home, as you said, like going through homeschooling and stuff that it feels like that could either bring out the best in a family or potentially develop into something really difficult, you know, just depends on, on what that connection and, and how all that stuff gets handled again, not that there's like a right or wrong way. But. Yeah. Exactly. So I feel very fortunate. I really love my family a lot. And it's, and I, I also feel fortunate because I married into a family that I'm like, it's very different from mine. Culture shock, 180 degrees. But I love them a lot. They're great. Yeah. Not what I expected. However, I love them a uh-huh. lot. Uh, <laughs> My husband's family just communicates very differently from what I thought. Oh, no. Now I have, want to know what they're like. Um, well, so he's from Long Island. Uh, Long Island. Long Island. Like, truly Long Island. Mm-hmm. My mother-in-law looks like Edie Falco and the Long Island medium had a baby together. A miracle Great. baby. Great. Easy to picture. Uh-huh. And uh, my father-in-law is an identical twin. Oh, wow. And their names are Barry and Larry. So, and that's their given names, not Lawrence or Borance. Lawrence and Borance, yeah. (laughs) Um, Larry and Barry, and they still look the same, and they're still best friends. That's so crazy. It is. It's very bizarre. We're just like, okay, okay, okay. And, (laughs) And my husband is the middle child, and it's, it's a great... It's a great family that I I, I love. I, I feel it's very interesting because I was just like, oh, it's just a culture shock because his mom's Italian-American and his dad's Jewish, but his dad, like his mom's Italian-American, like, and they're Sicilian. So it's like an even different level. <laughs> I was like, oh, Sicilian. <laughs> it is different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, it, some of this is like I read in movies and some of it's not, but I'm kind of surprised. So I feel really, it's, it's a very interesting thing. Yeah. Did you feel, um, I mean, I'm, I would, my guess would be if you were, uh, dealing with, you know, being sick all the time and, and not being able to go to school. Did you find solace in reading and, and sort of disappearing into other worlds and stuff? Yeah. I, I remember when I was that age, I got very into reading about different world religions as you do. I feel like it's just an appropriate time, like between 12 and like 15 to be like, what else is out there? Sure. And so, yeah, I got into reading, I was very fortunate. Maggie, my childhood best friend, who's still one of my dear friends in my life today. I'm very lucky. Uh, she was a huge inspiration. Like, like she, her friendship, her friendship was literally one of the things that helped keep me going mm. and the reason I'm still here and doing all the things I'm able to do. And And this is someone from how early on in childhood? North Carolina. She was one of the first people I met in my uh, middle school. And I like, I was just the weird kid. And like, cause I was always like, 
and not even super weird, just like quirky. And she was like, I like you. And I was like, I like you. And we're very different people. I'm bombastic. She's more studied and measured. I'm more risk taking. She's risk averse. So it's been fun to see us like go from 12 to like women in our thirties, like just living our lives yeah no doubt i'm really not going to psychoanalyze you around your illness i promise like i will not do this for the rest of our conversation but i wonder if sometimes i feel like people i know who when they were younger had something happen to them that was more extreme um on some level than just like whatever your oh slightly more basic like yep just went to high school every day and that was my thing and like never had anything bad happen whatever that um that the idea of you being a little more like willing to take risks and stuff and sort of experience life and have adventures. Do you think that that would have happened no matter what? Or do you think that maybe that could relate to kind of, Oh, it's definitely the illness. It's definitely growing up as a sick person. And I remember I almost coded in the hospital when I was, was I 15, 15 or 16 and I coded and I remember going like, oh, I can't breathe. Oh, I oh really can't God. breathe. Wow. Keisha. And it was during a blood transfusion. And I remember going, oh, this has to mean something. Like I like in the sense that I was like, if I make it through this, like screw it, like yeah. just go for it. And I think it, it it's I'm a very studied risk taker, like if I'm going to take a risk, I I'm usually thinking about it for a month and then it looks incredibly impulsive from the outside. (laughs) From the outside, you're just like, what are you doing? Keisha? I was like, I studied, I've thought about it. It's fine. Like that's, that's really interesting. That combination is really interesting. My poor husband, he, so I once made an offer on buying an apartment without telling him (laughs) I saw the place. I put an offer out and I called him. I was like, I found a place. He's like, really? He's like, when can we see it? I was like, I I, I put an offer on it. <laughs> you what? <laughs> uh, but then it turned out to be a very good thing for us. But that is the kind of person I was like, I did the research. The place went down $40,000 in one day and they like wanted to push it. And he was like, uh, okay yeah <laughs> so he's had to learn that my impulsiveness is usually comes with a lot of like studying and and planning it makes him feel more calm but there were definitely a few years he was like don't you dare yeah <laughs> make a purchase that large <laughs> without minimum informing informing me right you must inform me yeah fair well too I guess that's part of I mean I'm an only child so I'm I feel like aside from my parents I'm very used to making decisions that kind of only affect one person I mean if it's a small kid thing that's one thing if it's something bigger that my parents would be involved in it's there's still something about not being like in a two person or being a sibling or being a you know like it's a different conversation when you have a partner because I think I do the same thing but and and my version of that would be like yeah I just what I 
no, this is for both of us. Like I did this for us. <laughs> and then you have to be reminded like, but it's inclusive for me to, even if I'm, even if I'm just going to agree with you, like, let's just, can it feel like it's partly my, <laughs> can, can you give me, give me a heads up? Like, give me yeah, a little note. Then we're a team. We're a team. Yeah. And I think for me, it's definitely the fact I'm the oldest yeah. because I'm like, well, I have to take charge. I'm going to take charge. Yeah. Yeah. And my husband's like, stop. Yeah. No one's asking you to do that. I was like, oh, oh, that's right. And I, I really took always being the oldest very seriously as like, I have to set a, a tone for my siblings and this, that, and the other. So I do think part of my impulsivity comes from the fact of like, I like being decisive. Right. My husband it is a quality he's had to get used to because I'm very decisive yeah. I'm like, and it's not mean. I was like, no, he'll be like, but I was like, no. But, but that doesn't mean I don't respect you. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It's not, that's not coming from a place of like dismissiveness of a person and their feelings, which someone, you know, that we all have to understand that like, from the outside, it might look different for them from the inside. Yeah. And that's the thing I've tried to get better at communicating that my decisiveness isn't born of cruelty or born of anything. It's just decisions need to be made. Right. And I like acting on known things. And like if there's ambiguity, I want to figure it out and suss it out and like get to a place where I'm like, okay, what are we doing? Right. Let's clarify get back on track yeah what were some of the things I'd love to come back to some of the stuff that you were interested in in high school besides theater that you said kind of did like enable you to like band and I thought I was going to be a professional athlete most of my life I actually thought I was going to be a professional athlete and a doctor like I used to go to medical school camp oh which is a real thing yeah and we like, I remember I touched a cadaver when I was 16 Whew. and it was weird. Yeah. And I played basketball, softball, soccer, ran track and did volleyball. So I like literally was all you, season. You basically were getting revenge at your colitis. Yeah. I was like, I'm going <laughs> to be like, super Guess active. what? I'm going to help other people. Like I saw all those doctors doing for me. Yeah, well, I wanted to be a gastroenterologist yeah. for the longest time yeah. until I took an 8 a.m. college course. But, like, I really, and I was big into sciences. I loved physics. I loved chemistry. Biology was okay. And that's what I thought I was going to do. Yeah. And then you took an 8 a.m. class. And then I, like, did my first play in college. Oh, Okay. And I was like, what is this? Uh Yeah, because I I was an athlete. I never thought about performing. I never thought about doing anything. I was always the like funny person in my friend group who had like a tongue for sarcasm. And my I never thought about the stage. I had always like dreamt of becoming a comedian. I always like remembered being like oh it would be so cool yeah to do comedy it would be so cool to be an actor like it would be cool but I couldn't that's like I'm, far away it's like looking at something like in a telescope yeah and then I was like oh I, I'm just gonna be a doctor and then I got to college and was like ooh, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> am I uh, but to have gone to I mean that's 
you still kind of had all that whole experience of of uh, I almost called it cadaver camp. <laughs> um, cadaver when camp. You were cadaver no, camp. No, no, it's camp cadaver cada- camp. It's camp cadaver. Camp Janet. cadaver. Very different. Very different. Swinging body. Yeah, it's very awkward. Oh my god! How did you find out about that? How did you like? Uh, no one ever even said to me. By the way, do you know that there's like a camp for kids if they're interested in in you know medicine? I that wouldn't have even cross my it, mind. It was. I think it came as a brochure in the mail because I would do all these like extracurricular science club things and I would do all of it. And it came as a thing. And I was like, I want to go to medical school camp. And my parents were like, it's weird. Whatever. Go like, yeah, my mom was a pharmacist. And so she worked in medicine. Okay, So it was it was in her mind and in the scope of things that, oh, my daughter would follow me. Right. And my footsteps. Right. And so that's what led me to it because I really love science and I love the scientific method and I love proof and I love fact. Yeah. And so all those things really were exciting to me. And those were a lot of the things that drove me. Like I always loved science fiction. I loved speculative uh, fiction in general. Yeah. And so I, in that way I was, a stereotypical nerd so i science was the next step for me yeah so and then i just didn't (laughs) (laughs) but now i'm like an enthusiast and i'm like love watching people like achieve their goals like i have friends who like went back to medical school and i'm like cool yeah i couldn't but you can (laughs) i think that's the coolest thing in the world yeah no kidding yeah gastroenterologist i mean that is it would have been disgusting. Like it is a disgusting, <laughs> like I love GI doctors, but I'm also like, Oh, Oh, like you're really in it. Yeah. You're I was like, in it. knowing what has come out of my body, yeah. both like willingly and not, <laughs> I can't imagine that being a nine to five and I remember thinking how noble it was which is why I wanted to pursue it when I was younger yeah oh well sure absolutely thank god thank god you weren't like my experience was so horrible I never (laughs) want to see another doctor like I'm totally scarred yeah literally and figuratively well I have those moments Uh luckily they're more when I'm an adult yeah (laughs) yeah uh what kind of science fiction did you like or did you have a specific couple of authors that you were um, like oh I loved so-and-so it was mainly movies at that point Mm -hmm. I loved watching like I'd watch it all I think I watched all Alfred Hitchcock by the time I was like 14 oh yeah like even his really bad movies like that were psychosexual thrillers and you're uh-huh. like you're like you're just uh, you're kind of working through your stuff in this but clearly it's not you're not get, making any progress yeah i remember being like okay this is odd like i love the exorcist that was like uh, uh that was the one my mom was like you should watch it and then let me watch it by myself <laughs> and I, I remember sitting in my room totally frozen being like Oh, this is hard. Oh, God. Oh, and then I remember reading It, because, of course, you have to include Stephen yeah. King, especially in that age. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and I was into X-Men. <laughs> you read comics? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, just for a little bit. Oh, and DC Universe a little bit, because um, my mom and I, we would collect Superman comics. <laughs> 
when I was, yeah, when I was like 12, 13, we'd just collect them together. Did and she bring, did she bring, I mean, did she yeah. bring that to you? Yeah. My mom, That's awesome. my mom was, loved scary movies. That was her thing. And yeah. I just remember being like, I like it too. I like it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think I still, it, so horror just gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling of my mom. It really makes me like roller coasters and horror are the thing my mom really gave to me. Yeah. Which is like. I think that's why I like get so angry at like gender stereotypes because it's not typically a mom thing to be like, go watch this serial killer. Right. It feels counterintuitive somehow socially to be like, oh, I get the warm fuzzies because I associate it with this wonderful figure in my life. Yet it also is, you know, this sort of like blood chilling kind of stuff. Yeah. But it was also like, oh, cool. Like the the safest thrill seeking yes there we go i was like you think it through safe thrill seeking and i was like so i think that that was very influential to me at the time yeah yeah stephen king it's funny because you know i think the the relationship that we have as adults i mean i'm not to speak for you but because i also was like i gotta get my hands on everything stephen king and i think i don't like some of it becomes like what you were saying about alfred hitchcock like there's a completist thing to it where it's like well now i've seen almost everything so i should i want to see everything like i want to be the person who can say yeah 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 i know i've seen it all um but with stephen king i think when you're young and you start reading it you feel like he writes so much about kids and extraordinary children but also children to whom horrible horrible things happen you're, when you're a kid, your relationship to that is so di- like because now when I watch something or I read something like I I listen to it the audiobook and I hadn't read it since I was really young, and of course I was horrified as an adult like oh my god these kids I can't believe I was reading that as a kid like I disconnected from being a kid like when you're a kid you can handle that. I mean some stuff you can't handle but. I think there's some kind of like when we start to feel protective of kids rather than just being a kid, it's a whole different relationship to those sorts of materials. Don't you think? A hundred percent. It's the once you realize, oh, I could die. Yeah. <laughs> like, which, yeah. Mortality is not real in the same way when you're a kid. Yeah. And understanding like death, like which is why it's like there are things now that when I was a kid, I'd be like, that's weird. And then as I got older, I was like, I'm profoundly saddened and horrified in a different level. And I think Stephen King does that. Like as a kid, you're like, whatever. Oh, that kid got eat. (laughs) And you're just like, doesn't matter. I wouldn't have done that. And you watch it now and you're like, that baby lost his leg. (laughs) That's right. So soon. That's right. And it's amazing the shift that happens because I was watching my eight-year-old little sister watch a nature documentary Uh and it got to the part where inevitably it does in a good nature doc where it's like, they're going to eat babies. They're going to eat someone else's vulnerable babies (laughs) and they're going to make a meal of it. It's going to be savage. Yeah. But that's nature. Yeah. And apparently babies taste delicious in nature i'm sure they do so she's watching and she's like oh that leopard's gonna eat those babies she was just so excited (laughs) and i'm watching it going those poor babies yeah (laughs) and i forget it is that different appreciation yeah um that the older you're like it's 
not guaranteed. Yeah. But when you're a kid, you're like, yeah, cool. Well, and that's like, do you look back? Do you look back on the you that almost coded and go like, I'm so fucking glad I didn't have the relationship with fear and mortality that I have as an adult on the same level. Like, yes. In some ways it taught me how to like listen to my body, but I definitely did not have any sense of what mortality was like I knew pain but I didn't like really understand that I was like oh this could end right and be done oh like it it wasn't real I remember because it was like even the coding I just remember like my throat closing and feeling itchy and my mom's like are you okay I was like yeah and she's like oh my yeah <laughs> like at some point this is uncomfortable but it's not, is the sun super in your eyes by oh the way? no no no, i'm good um uh at, at some point there that whatever this is will end but not in a way that ends me like yeah. it will just this is just a thing i have to get through like all the other unpleasant things that have happened to me that i have to get through exactly yeah. and that's how i thought, it turned out to be true yeah it turned out to be true in that moment and i don't think i appreciated versus like uh, about three years ago i had another health scare where i actually almost died i went septic oh god same yeah. health stuff yeah um and i g- grabbed my husband and i was like you better save my life <sighs> And he yelled for doctors. They came running and my life was saved. But I like went septic and I hallucinated and oh, I talked God. to Abraham Lincoln. And hey, the there's an upside. Yeah. In the linoleum um, about race <laughs> relations. It wasn't a good combo. Oh, um, no. I tried to show him my whiteboard, <laughs> but I didn't have any. He pens. was not a mathematician. No, no, so no. So very it, different. It's very, different. very hard. Yeah. And so uh, it was just like a very different experience because I remember before I had this surgery, I remember thinking, I was like, Oh, this could be it. And like having that thought of like, damn it. I didn't kiss my husband goodbye. Like I didn't like just do the, and I remember thinking, I was like, I can't. (laughs) And then I didn't. Yeah. But it, it was a similar feeling, but like, I think a, a more, a more intense grasp of my humanity and my life on this planet, no matter how long or short it may be. Yeah. So in terms of talking about taking calculated risks, that doesn't necessarily mean, like you said, if there's a calculation to it, it's like, well, if the statistics, I've lost the ability to say that word. (laughs) Um, If they show that this particular thing does actually end the lives of, you know, 16% of the people who hike Everest or whatever, that doesn't necessarily you've 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 looked into mortality enough to go i don't need to chance my life with this adventure this is a safe way of experiencing something knowing i'm coming out the other side exactly yeah. and i think that's how i think about risk i was like eh, i've made a lot of decisions that will not harm my body i will live I can have a plan beyond it. So if I was like, eh, if my body's okay and I'm not destroying any relationships, eh, probably fine. Yeah, yeah. I like this. I think I'm going to, I need to like study under you. <laughs> Liz, well, I know Abraham Lincoln. Well, I might get a few of them. Um, next uh, lecture I give to the linoleum, uh-huh. I'll make sure you get an invite. It's so specific. It was. How did Abe get in there? Uh, it was 
I remember I came out of surgery and I thought I was being washed by fairies and nymphs. I literally thought this. It was just nurses. It was just nurses. But I was thanking them profusely to the point yeah. they were uncomfortable. Oh my God. I was like, thank you. Oh, thank you. And I thought they were fairies. I, <laughs> I literally, I was like, love that probably those, those kinds of moments probably make their day when it's something a little different. Oh, yeah. I was, and I was so grateful. I was just like, I'm alive. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I remember, like, times I've come out of anesthesia. I remember when I got my wisdom teeth out. I was so emotional that I I thought the nurse was mad at me. <laughs> Speaking of freeze and appease, I I can barely talk because I've had oral surgery, and I'm like, I don't know what I did, but I you're so bad at me, like crying. She's like, no. I asked my dad later, did it seem like I had was I going off of anything on that? And he's like, Janet, no. She was the most (laughs) angelic, warm, like I don't know what that was about that was the drugs <laughs> you woke up mid you're like you were having a moment like uh, can i have the room i just need to feel my feelings for right now they so are crazy. fake but i need that oh my god oh oh it's time for a quick break i will be back after a word from our friends at maximum fun Hey, I'm Jared Hill, co-host of the brand new Maximum Fun podcast, Fan Time. And I'm Travel Anderson. I'm the other more fabulous co-host. And the reason you really should be tuning in. I feel the nausea rising. To be Fan is to be a big fan of something, but also have some challenging or anti-feelings toward it. Kind of like Kanye. We're all fans of Kanye. He's a musical genius, but like, you know. He thinks slavery is a choice. Or like the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, I love the drama, but do I want to see black women fighting each other on screen? Ew, too. We're tackling all of those complex and complicated conversations about the people, places, and things that we love. Even though they may not love us back. Fan time. Maximum fun. Podcast. I want to get into this MASH game with you. You told me before we started that you actually have a version of MASH that you used to play where there was an extra H... Yeah, I don't know why. This was when I was living in Morgan Hill, which is just outside of the oh, Bay sure. Area. Oh, sure. I have a friend who's from Morgan Hill. Oh! Yeah. Morgan Hill. Very Part specific. of me, I was like, who? Yeah. It was a very farm town yeah. when I grew up. Uh, yeah, it was two H's. It, one was a house and one was hut, Great. which feels redundant. I'm putting it right in here. God, this is my only opportunity so far to add a letter to MASH. So it I was very, it. like, I, I just remember going, Ugh. It's going to change all the numbers to eeny, meeny, miny, mo past that second H. That's why I'm so excited about it. It's what I would consider a calculated risk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's the I, theme of the podcast. Calculated risk. That's the theme of the podcast. I like it. Let's do, th- okay, so we'll start actually with a category that sort of leans into that. Let's do three risky things that for some reason you haven't had a chance to do yet but that feel like and we're assuming nothing bad will happen to you in this alternate universe you're that that, we sort of throw that out the window so three things that like would be considered risks that you're like fuck it let's but i but you know Um, a chance yet or maybe you won't have a chance i think i really want to fly a plane great i also would like to jump out of a plane great 
I'd also like to be in a weightless plane. <laughs> There's a lot of plane here, but like I really want to do. I love it. The being weightless in a plane sounds yeah. delightful. Yeah. Have really you done it? Does. No, I haven't. I would like to do that very much also. Like just to feel that like, oh, yeah. for a second. I think just having the, those things like I saw, uh, I got to, I, just, I saw my only ever like total solar eclipse and I didn't know how different it would be from seeing a partial eclipse even like an 85 percent eclipse i just didn't know and i and and having that experience where you're seeing you're experiencing something that is so profoundly different from anything you've ever experienced on a day-to-day basis that it feels like you can understand i feel like you're connecting with your ancestors like oh no wonder we believed in gods yeah like no wonder we believed in aliens no wonder we couldn't explain these like strange things and i think the weightlessness thing falls into that category like we only know gravity we only know our exact gravity the idea of being on the moon or being weightless in a in a spaceship or on a plane feels like oh my god i want to know i want to just know. have the, the that rule be tossed out the window yeah for seconds i yeah. was like uh, my my only problem is i feel like i'm gonna do it and i'm gonna be like again yeah this is all i want this is my drug yeah. this is my drug Take my weight away. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Okay, perfect. Uh, next category, let's do three foods. Could be a specific category. Could even be as specific as like this one cookie that I had this one time. That in this alternate universe, we're taking anything negative away from it. So it's fine to eat beef. It's ecologically not a problem. It's this, it's that. Sugar, doesn't matter. Great. All, everything's the I, same. I Great. love it. It's, uh, oh, the things, oh, it's a brown butter cookie. Oh, like chocolate nice. chip cookie. I've been having them and having my life changed by them of Wonderful. late. Uh, I would also have, it's a classic from like w- my childhood, childhood, spaghetti and meatballs. My favorite childhood book was when Glo- Grover Sleeps Over. And I really identify with Grover quite a bit. Like Grover <laughs> I'm was- I'm so glad you said that. That's like <sighs> one of the best of all time to identify with. He's so- anxious <laughs> yeah he's really anxious me and, too i was such an anxious kid and remain so and so to see and a muppet so lovable to feel like oh wait i want to take care of him i don't want to punch him i yeah. want to take care of him so maybe i don't hate myself as much yeah. for being worried or nervous or and he was so worried and thoughtful and and like oh things are different and i loved him because i was like he was a great example of seeing a kid who struggled to negotiate things so that like really changed my life and then the third thing is always lobster great Uh, yeah i asked for lobster on my fifth birthday oh hello yeah my parents were like we don't know where you got that from (laughs) but those are like the things that i was like to this day will bring me absolute joy i love it you mentioning grover brings me into a a next category that i would love to do now is which is three imaginary things like things that are do not really exist in reality that um you could have as your best friend grover great okay and oh other things i could have as my best friend Ooh, a velour onesie (laughs) I'm wearing velour now, but like, I like tactile experiences. I love it. Oh, a bubble bath. I want a bubble bath as my best friend. Great, great, great. Um, Okay, next category. This is MASH. We got to get some romance in there. Three people 
could be a cartoon, a real person from history of any age, a literary character, somebody in a movie, anything. Three. To have your romantic exploits with in this other universe we're building. Oh. Well, this romantic universe, uh, um, the Brad Pitt that existed when I was 13. Uh-huh. Uh, he was my first celeb crush. Great. Uh, but like only like river runs through yeah. it like that like cool world yeah <laughs> cool world brad pitt um very specific right. right um i would say oh who who else um oh you know i think i would really love mom's mabley she, okay great she's a great comedian source of joy and while we're there, let's let's just bring it home and get a little weird. Let's have she's real and still exists. Let's have Whoopi in there because right. I would love, great, love to. It, it's a very specific list. <laughs> it's great. It's fantastic list. Oh, cool world, wonderful. Uh, okay, next category. Let's do three uh, worlds from a book that you would like to be able to vacation inside of. I would lean in towards fantasy and sci-fi on this one. Oh, okay. Three vacations. Oh, where would, oh, this, this one's going to be the hard one. I was like, uh, it's so funny. My, my brain and recalling things, memory gets hard. By the way, I do too. This, I'm, I am playing a game that I am the worst at. So that's why I'm on this side of things. Um, I'm going to say the angsty teen version of myself, the alchemist. Okay. Wonderful. Oh, I forgot. I loved Paulo Coelho during that time period. Uh So I'm also going to say the Valkyries. Great, 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 great. And then, oh, why am I blanking on it? Oh, Oh, let's go. Let's go for a space odyssey. Two thousand one space odyssey. So whimsy. I like whimsy and mysticism. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, great. Next one. Let's do. It's a totally different circumstance, but three people or things that you wish you could have hallucinated instead of your uncomfortable conversation with Abe. Okay. Uh, the wee bear bear bears. <laughs> Great. Uh, oh, Barack Obama. Nice. Actually, addendum, Barack and Michelle. Great. Uh, love to have had just like a moment to kiki. Yeah. And then I would say, oh, Mr. Rogers. Okay, we're going to play with this one a little bit since you had so many different interests. Uh, three alternate universe careers. Oh, a gastroenterologist. Yeah, got to get that GI, GI in there. Um, astrophysicist. Wonderful. Uh, a botanist. Great. Yeah, I guess I would be a scientist. If you I think? Mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just came to that. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> I would have been a scientist. Yeah, right? Okay, so in connection with that, then, let's do three skills or knowledges that you w- could wake up with tomorrow if I could just download it into your brain, matrix style. Oh, um, 
10 different foreign languages, like, and the hard ones, like Russian, Arabic, Hebrew, like ones with symbols that I'm like, Ooh, uh, 10 in my brain. I would love yeah. to be able to be a competent modern dancer. Yes. I would also love to be a competent scat singer. Great, great, great. Okay, perfect. All right, you know how MASH works, so I'm just going to do that initial thing that will then lead me yeah. to my eeny, meeny, miny, moe. So tell me when to stop. Stop. All right, I'm going to pause this, do these very important non-astrophysical uh, calculations. Okay. When um, I come back. My life is to be determined. Here we go. This is a big deal. All right, here we go. It's my future? I got your future. I'm staring into the beautiful eyes of your future. All right. And now I'm looking at you. Future. You. Future. I don't know why. It's like I'm staring into two pairs of beautiful eyes. Okay. First of all, let's see. Where do I want to start? First of all, I want to congratulate you on... Well, listen. We're going to start with the obvious because you are wearing velour as we speak. I want to reassure you that you are a best chum of velour onesie. Yes. Is right in your future. It's around the corner in your Thank future. Thank goodness. That is going to be a very positive tactile experience. Oh, I'm very excited. It will be clean. It will be, <laughs> <sighs> it will be clean. Uh, this That feels like, you know, I like the idea of you flying around in your plane. Uh, you are going to be able to fly a plane. Now, listen, yes. whether you choose to jump off or be or, or turn it into a weightless plane, that's up to you because it's your plane. You're flying it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of responsibility. It is a lot of responsibility. I'll tell you what else is a lot of responsibility. You have uh, you have the responsibility of keeping up your mansion, oh. which what I didn't tell you is that it that tucks inside of the alchemist. So your vacation <laughs> home is your mansion somewhere in the world of the alchemist. Great. It's mystical. It's magical. I'm finding my true destiny. That's right. I love it. That's and, right. In a velour in onesie. A velour onesie. <laughs> Just walking through towards no my bigs. destiny. No bigs. Uh, another thing that you're very well known for, again, in the velour onesie, is your work as a botanist. Oh, thank goodness. Which has taken you all over the world. Yeah. So it doesn't hurt that you are fluent in 10 different languages thank goodness because i need to tell different plants how to hump that's right right that's what botanists do yeah yeah they <laughs> they encourage sex between plants they're like you two hump each other yeah give me a new breed yeah it's gonna be like the biggest irony in the world because you're gonna be like you plants better expect to get naked <laughs> and then they're like but with consent and yeah they're like okay that's right. and then everyone high fives you're yeah. high fiving leaves left yeah. and right uh, okay, next thing I want to tell you is that you are able to, well, the next time you have a hallucination, I want you to rest assured, it's going to be the We Bear Bear Bears. Yes. So that's going to be an enjoyable, Delightful. uplifting hallucination. I look forward to hearing about that. You know what? That might come after you eat a strange plant in a strange world where you're like, I'm a botanist. I can handle this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you then you have what? this extraordinary journey. Y you know, it's high highs, low lows. Exactly. In botany. Exactly. Be willing to just lean right into that. And you were experiencing all of this with your romantic partner, a cool world Brad Pitt. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh my God. Your alchemist vacation and your cool world Brad Pitt, your teen self is stoked right now. I am so stoked because the world is beautiful and expansive. That's and, right. And I have cool world Brad Pitt. That's right. 
He's the exact person you want to explore all of that with. I mean, he wouldn't get weirded out by like anything. Not at all. He's going to roll with those punches. Yeah, it's totally cool. Um, Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you for having me. People can uh, check out the astronomy club yeah on, on netflix. netflix is there anything else you would like people to know about places they can find you, you follow you etc you can find me and follow me on twitter at k-e-i-s-h-a-z or Z if you are canadian or international i'm nice. working very on inclusive the i like that uh you can follow me on instagram at k-e-i-s-h-a-z-o-l-l-a-r and yeah i'm around on in the world doing things yeah. living life Guys, Probably, on board. you know, sleeping. Yeah, a, <laughs> buying a velour onesie. That's right. Well, we know that's in, that we know that's imminent. Yes, imminent. Absolutely. Uh, again, thank you for coming. Thank on. you. I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. That's us. I'm keeping from you. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JD Club theme song is "Back Before We Were Brittle" by the amazing. Say hi. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.